Welcome to the best works of emerging explicit romance authors. Our curators select a wide variety of tales about the lifelong human quest for satisfying, lasting, and meaningful expressions of sexual health. Steamy Stories Daily Podcast focuses primarily on short stories. Explicit Novels Daily Podcast presents longer format novels over a span of episodes. Subscribe to both Steamy Stories and Explicit Novels in your favorite podcasting app. And now, today's story. Jenna Gives Up Sex for Lent, Part 2 New Uses for Old Organ Pipes By Black Sheep Listen to the podcast at Steamy Stories The third Sunday of Lent had arrived. Reverend Morris was counting down the days until Easter in the same way a prisoner counts down the days until their release. He was dreading today's morning Eucharist after the embarrassment of last week. I still can't believe I was stupid enough to mix up that erotic story with my sermon. He exclaimed. Why did I print it out? A relaxed Simon. It was a fantastic first attempt, and that vicar from Manchester seemed to enjoy it. Jenna replied, making herself a coffee. Yes I know but, well I suppose you're right. Nobody made a complaint. I'm just glad the youth and children were already dismissed to their classes. I'd have had a load of outraged parents begging for me to be defrocked. No damage done, Jenna smiled. And you truly do have hidden talents. I had no idea you were so good at writing erotica. You should try it again sometime. This Sunday service passed without incident, and most of the congregation were no doubt disappointed that the vicar's sermon had returned to its familiar, boring self. Afterwards, Gordon peered over the top of the organ and smiled as he noticed Jenna. Morning. He said. Hello Gordon. Jenna replied. How are you getting on with, you know? She winked. Ah that, he laughed. You weren't kidding when you said use lots of lube, were you? It's fun, but, Gordon lowered his voice. It doesn't match up to you. I miss our organ lessons. Me too. We're halfway through Lent. Stay strong. You'll get through it. I'll try my best. Oh, are these of any interest to you or Simon? He handed her two tin organ pipes one smaller than the other. I know you're into arts and crafts. Thought you might have some use for these. Some of the old pipes have been replaced. These are nice. Jenna said, holding up the pipes. Great condition. They make great wool ornaments. I see loads of them for sale on eBay. Some go for really high prices. I'll see if I can get creative. It'll be a fun spring project for me. Thanks Gordon. Oh before I forget, you couldn't do a favor for a member of the church, could you? Certainly. Gladys asked if you could call round and fix a new door handle on her kitchen door. I know you're really good at DIY, you fitted new wool sockets in the church hall. The organist's face fell. Um, oh right. Yes. I'm sure I can. Great. She'll be thrilled. Right, 
I'd better get going. Simon's taking Christopher out for some father-son time, so I'll be home alone. I'll see if I can get creative with these old organ pipes. Gordon gulped. The thought of calling round to see Mrs. Wilcox terrified him. My God, the old girl will pounce on me like a lioness ambushing a gazelle. He noticed the church warden heading up the aisle. Norman. Could you do me a favor? Jenna arrived back at the vicarage, wondering how to spend the rest of the afternoon. She looked carefully at the two organ pipes, running a finger down the smooth, dull metal. Hmm, this larger one, it could be just the right size. Up in the bedroom, Jenna lifted her skirt and pulled her panties down to the floor and stepped out of them. Feeling horny, she imagined Gordon walking in and catching her with her legs spread with an organ pipe buried deep in her cunt. The larger pipe measured about 11 inch long from pointed tip to end of the tapering foot. She remembered what Gordon had told her about organ pipes. Flue pipes are also known as labial pipes. The foot is the bottom portion of the pipe, usually conical. At its base is the toe hole, through which wind enters it. Ooh yeah. Jenna reached between her legs and discovered that she was already dripping wet. She fingered her cunt and clit. Damn, she needed to be filled. She took her time greasing up the organ pipe until it was dripping lubricant. Ah. Jenna began sliding the pipe into her well-lubed cunt, one leisurely inch at a time. When she'd taken about six inches inside, she began slowly pushing it in and out, coating the pipe with her juices. Her fingers rubbed her clit softly and covered it in her essence. The pressure and speed of her fingers built. She imagined Gordon's thick fingers deep inside her, whilst she lay naked on the organ stool in the church. Jenna wanted more, wanted it harder. She increased her speed and moved the organ pipe in and out faster. Suddenly, her whole body tensed, the sweet feelings of ecstasy were almost torture. She need to come but wanted the pleasure to last longer. She was almost there, almost tipping over the edge of orgasm. She pushed the pipe still deeper into her womanhood, then reached for the smaller one. Norman Winstanley turned into Rosebay Gardens, the quaint little cul-de-sac where Mrs. Wilcox lived. Nice place for old folk, he mused, parking up in front of the small bungalow. He picked up the small tool bag, headed up the drive and knocked on the door. Glancing round, he was amused by the pair of garden gnomes on the front lawn. They were dressed in bondage gear. The front door opened and Mrs. Wilcox appeared. Oh, hello Norman. What are you doing here? Here to fix your kitchen door, my dear. Norman replied. Gordon sends his apologies but something came up. Deary me, the old lady replied, not fooled for a moment. Oh well, you'll do nicely. Right this way. She ushered him inside and gave his ass cheeks a squeeze. Norman raised an eyebrow, but ignored her actions. After all, the old bird was eight to six. God, this feels so amazing. Jenna gasped as she thrust the small organ pipe up her asshole. She moaned loudly, her cunt pulsing hard around the larger organ pipe. Her whole body shook with the force of her orgasm. Fuck, yes. 
The vicar's wife screamed out as she found a new use for the old organ pipes. Don't forget to polish the sideboard, dearie. Mrs. Wilcox smiled as Norman entered the living room and brought her a glass of sherry. He was naked apart from a frilly apron. Right you are, Gladys, the church warden replied. This was more of a thrill than he ever imagined. And here I was worrying how I'd survive six weeks without sex from the vicar's wife. He thought. Norman. Mrs. Wilcox snapped. I asked for a schooner. This glass isn't a schooner. I'm afraid I'll have to discipline you. Turn around at once. Norman did as she asked and she struck his bare buttocks with a riding crop. Ouch. You're a very naughty boy. Mrs. Wilcox said. What are you? I'm a very naughty boy. Norman replied. Jenna breaks her Lent vow, in order to aid the bishop. Bishop George lay in a hospital bed between sleep and vague drowsiness. He was hot, frustrated and uncomfortable. Waiting. Waiting for the nurses to bring him food. Waiting for them to change him. He loathed being dependent on others like this. He'd always gone his own way, not caring whom he offended. Then again he was lucky to be alive, and boredom and frustration were the least of his worries. His leg had been reset, but he was very much troubled by the thought of infection developing. Bishop George closed his eyes and wondered if he'd be well enough to attend the Easter service at St. Michael's Church. He'd been looking forward to it for ages, and it was only two weeks away. Reverend Morris had just departed, having spent an hour with him. The visit had lifted the bishop's spirits and he was thankful for the vicar's kind words. That bloody cyclist! He shouldn't have been on the pavement in the first place. He'd been walking down the street and had been sent flying when a careless cyclist had crashed right into him. His right leg had been broken in three places. It had been a terrible ordeal, but he didn't expect to remain in hospital for long. You were soon booted out these days. Bishop George sighed. He wasn't looking forward to his sister Anne, coming to care for him whilst he recovered. Anne was notoriously bossy. Meanwhile, back at St. Michael's Vicarage, Jenna sipped a coffee and idly ran her finger down the cup. Poor George, she said, as Reverend Morris returned from visiting him in the hospital. You know something, why don't we let him stay with us while he recovers? We have two spare bedrooms, one for when Christopher stays over, but the smaller room would be ideal for George. It's got a fold-away bed. Reverend Morris thought for a moment. You're absolutely right, Jen. You're a true Christian. The bishop has been very good to me since I took over at St. Michael's. We could provide all the care he needs. Whilst his sister might mean well, she's a rather fierce individual. I only met her once. She scared me. Jenna admitted. The vicar nodded. Besides, having him staying with us will help keep my mind off, uh, you know. I've been struggling recently with what we've given up for Lent. Jenna smiled. I know Simon. You've done really well. Not much longer now. When Easter comes, he will rise, I'm not just talking about Jesus, by the way.
Reverend Morris bit his lip. He might be rising already, oh. I can't wait to have sex again, must restrain myself. Right, I'll go call George, and prepare the spare bedroom for him. The bishop was more than delighted when Reverend Morris arrived to collect him from the hospital, the next day. You're quite sure about this, Simon? He said as the vicar pushed his wheelchair down the aisle. I don't want to be a burden to you and Jenna. Busy weeks ahead for you, what with Holy Week and so on. And your son, doesn't he stay over on Fridays? Think nothing of it, George. We have two spare bedrooms at the vicarage. There's room for everyone. Jenna and I are glad to have you staying with us. It'll be peace of mind knowing that you'll be safe and well looked after. Bishop George smirked to himself. He was definitely looking forward to perhaps getting some special therapy off Jenna. He remembered the little birthday ceremony he'd taken part in just before Christmas. Must say, I'm glad to be out of that hospital, he muttered, as he was helped into the car. The bloke in the bed next to me, he lay there for two hours before someone realized he was dead. Poor sod. I said a few prayers for him. That's awful, Reverend Morris replied. But on the bright side, the soul enjoyed a very prompt wake, with no less than the bishop presiding. George finally chuckled at the realization of his good service. Changing the subject, Simon added, well hopefully, you'll find the vicarage a lot more relaxing, and our meals a lot more edible. We both enjoy cooking. He drove out of the hospital car park and headed for the motorway. The nursing staff said you were a difficult patient. Simon probed. I see. Quite the compliment. Bishop George said. I'm sure they were exaggerating. Any news from church? Is Jenna still learning to play the organ? The traffic noise was loud, as rush hour was approaching. Oh yes. She's made remarkable progress there. Gordon is a fantastic teacher. She's of a good enough standard to stand in for him, on the rare occasions he isn't able to do the Sunday service. I'm sure, he replied. She is very talented indeed at playing a man's organ too. George thought to himself. Our church warden Norman Winstanley has started spending a lot of time helping one of the older members of church around the house. Gladys Wilcox, she's in her 80s, widowed and lives alone. Her grandson helps where he can, but he works full-time so can't be there on weekdays. I can tell Gladys really enjoys having Norman call round. She's a sweet old lass, been at the church before I was even born. Her husband used to play the organ before Gordon took over. That's nice. Not many want to take the time to help the elderly these days. Bishop George soon settled in at the vicarage. The bed was far more comfortable than the one in the hospital. I think I'll be just fine here, he grinned. We're glad to have you here with us, George, Jenna said, as she brought him a cup of tea. Anything you need, don't hesitate to ask. I wouldn't mind the touch of your healing hands, he whispered in Jenna's ear as she prepared to leave. Oh, no can do, Bishop. Jenna replied. I've given up sex for Lent. 
Poor Simon, he's been sleeping in the other spare bedroom ever since Ash Wednesday. It's been a struggle for both of us, but we've stuck to it. Bishop George looked as if his recovery had taken a turn for the worse. On Monday night, Reverend Morris was called to administer last rites to someone at the local hospice, leaving Jenna alone in the house to care for the bishop. As she sat reading something on her phone, she heard him moaning in pain. George was still on opioids, but weaning off. Jenna had just given him his second pill after dinner. He was agonizing for the pill's relief to kick in. Poor George. His leg keeps aching. He must be so miserable. I suppose I could cheer him up a little, but I made a promise. She thought for a moment. But it's justified if it speeds up his recovery. Bishop George was half asleep when he heard Jenna entering his room. She sat down on the chair beside his bed. His eyes shot open as he felt the bed sheet over his groin being lightly pulled down. His heart beat faster. What are you doing? Aiding your recovery. Excitement only increased further as the full reality of the situation dawned on him. Soon, he felt warm fingertips moving up his thigh. Bishop George's heart was pounding. I thought you'd given it up for Lent. I have, but just this once, I'll make an exception for you. Promise you won't tell my husband. I've put him through so much suffering, denying him the pleasure. Oh my lips are sealed. Bishop George replied. Besides, he's as fit as a fiddle. He'll have to suck it up and cope. I've had a terrible trauma. Any help you can provide, you know I'll be beyond grateful, my dear Jenna. He was already semi-erect. Jenna's hand went further, seeking holy treasure. She gently unfastened the restraining snaps of his pajama bottoms and exposed his heated erection. Bishop George put his hands together. For what I am about to receive, O Lord, make me truly thankful. Jenna gently teased and examined his shaft and foreskin, bending down close to breathe in the heavy, sweaty musk of his balls. Then she took his shaft between thumb and forefinger and began to pleasure the older man with slow, deliberate, sensuous movements. Unable to remain composed any longer, the bishop murmured. Oh my God! Jenna continued to stroke him, experimenting with the rhythm and pressure. After a short while, he felt her lips start to trace up and down his cock, ever so lightly. Starting with his balls, and then moving upwards, she started to apply a series of delicate licks and kisses. Sweet Lord! What joy! It was so slow, so tender and intimate, and he knew at once that this was exactly the kind of healthcare he needed. Bishop George was desperate to release, and Jenna placed her hand reassuringly in his. One long caress of his cock almost made him come. A little pre-cum leaked out, and Jenna gathered it up with her tongue. At last, she took the tip of his cock into her mouth, slowly and carefully. Her warm wet mouth felt incredible, and the bishop couldn't help but cry out in joy. Jenna descended right down to the base of his shaft, completely deep-throating him. Some final, wanton tongue action brought him over the edge, and he could take no more. Bishop George's whole body trembled, as he climaxed and spent. Oh my, Jenna! 
He cried as he erupted in a powerful ejaculation. Pulse after pulse of his issue hit the back of her throat. She swallowed it all. The glorious, joyful spurting continued. The vicar's wife continued her masterful manipulations. He fell back on the sweat-drenched pillow, his face gripped by sheer joyful release. Jenna let him recover for a moment and catch his breath. After a short while, he raised his hand and placed it gently against her cheek. Gathering his strength, he heaved himself up and brought her lips to his in a lingering kiss. She responded by slipping her arms around him. Are you feeling better now? She whispered. Much better. I'll sleep like a log tonight, and I just know I'll be up and walking around in no time. I'm so relieved that it's only your leg that was injured, George. Thankfully, what matters is still in fine working order. Suddenly, the sound of the front door opening, brought them to their senses. Better get some sleep, George. Jenna whispered, giving him a final kiss. Oh, George, is it true? Gordon says that the same Greek word that Tyndale translated as communion, is also translated as intercourse. George was shocked, and marveled. I think the word is koinonia. And yes, only the context provides the distinction. They are both condits for ministering life, aren't they? Jenna beamed. I've always viewed my sexuality as part of God's providence, and I feel I have a responsibility to not be selfish. Sleep well, my good man. I will, and thanks again for your special worship. And don't worry about breaking your lentil promise, it was only a little bending of your own pledge, God won't mind. You were aiding my recovery after all, he relaxed and fell into a blissful, drug-aided sleep. Jenna could still taste the bishop's come on her lips as she headed down the stairs. Ah, uh, Jen. Is everything all right? Reverend Morris said, hanging his coat up. I hope George didn't give you too much trouble. Oh no trouble at all. The old boy is sleeping like a baby. Jenna's threesome in the church hall. A close encounter with an old, bitter enemy, and a blessed miracle. And Gordon the organist is a big softy deep down. This joyful Eastertide. Away with sin and sorrow. My love, the crucified. Has sprung to life this morrow. Had Christ, who once was slain. Not burst his three-day prison. Our faith had been in vain. But now hath Christ arisen. Arisen, arisen. But now has Christ arisen. On this, the most holiest of days, we celebrate the risen Lord. Reverend Morris began, as the Easter Sunday service at St. Michael's began. As expected, the church was packed, much to the vicar's delight. In the four years he'd been in charge of this humble little parish, Reverend Morris never expected to see such an increase in the congregation. It warmed his heart. Though, he secretly admitted, the fuller-stocked pews weren't the only thing making him smile. With the arrival of Easter Sunday, Lent was finally over. His wife's ban on sex had expired. He could hardly wait until this evening, when he and Jenna would finally get some time to themselves. Over at the organ, 
Gordon was also hoping he'd soon be able to resume giving Jenna organ lessons. Look at her, sitting at the front in that floral print dress. She looks every inch the respectable vicar's wife, but the way it clings to her curves, a subtle hint at the delicious raw sexuality underneath, the organist sighed, feeling a stirring in his groin, when he should have been concentrating on the service. Oh God, she's beautiful and I am so bloody horny, Gordon muttered, slipping a hand under his black robe and rubbing himself. Please stand for our hymn, thine be the glory. The vicar announced, and the congregation dutifully did. There were a few awkward coughs and shuffling of feet as the organ remained silent. Our hymn, thine be the glory. The vicar repeated. Oh. Gordon spluttered, and slammed his fingers down on the manual so hard, the entire church seemed to vibrate. Goodness me, he's pounding those pipes, one of the elderly ladies of the congregation muttered. For the first time in years, I don't need to turn up my hearing aids. After the hymn, the curate took over the reading of the notices. Reverend Morris slipped over to the organ. Bit of a ten on the tension scale there, Gordon. He whispered. Having problems with your instrument. It wasn't the first time the organist had appeared a little distracted during a service. Sorry about that, Vicar, this upper manual does require a bit more pressure these days. Reverend Morris chuckled. The organist was just as guilty as he was for thinking irreverent thoughts during the service. We may rejoice now that the Lent period has ended. I, I fully intend to, Gordon replied, rearranging his music sheets. You never said what it was that you gave up. Um, think it was whiskey. What did you give up for Lent, Vicar? Ah, uh, chocolate. He glanced at Jenna, sat in the front aisle. I'm going to pick out and eat out a, eh, uh, eat a lot of it later. Gordon nodded, as the reverend returned to the pulpit. He's even worse at lying than I am. The service ended and everyone headed over to the church hall for tea and coffee. Instead of the usual plain biscuits and cake, Reverend Morris had asked everyone to do a Jacob's join and bring some Easter eggs along. There was enough chocolate to fill a room, much to the delight of the younger members of the congregation, who wasted no time in helping themselves. Do help yourselves to some delicious hot cross buns, Jenna smiled, walking around the hall with a tray, and the buns went down a storm with the older folk. After a longer than normal gathering, it was time to clear away the chairs and tables. Where's Norman Winstanley gone? He's usually here to move these tables. Reverend Morris wondered. Oh I have some chores lined up for him so he had to hurry back to my place, Vicar, Mrs. Wilcox said, as she began sweeping the hall. Gordon raised an eyebrow. Is he your personal slave Gladys? He never seems to be away. Well you seemed reluctant to fill that particular vacancy dearie, so I had to look elsewhere. I must say, dear Norman has proved a most willing and able subject. The way she emphasized the words willing and able, it intrigued Gordon. He cast his mind back a few weeks to the embarrassing incident with the flashlight. The old girl wasn't shy when it came to sucking my cock, but surely she's not doing that on a regular basis to Norman, is she? Norman's never said a word, 
but he seems to enjoy calling round. Or is it all perfectly innocent and is just helping her with the housework? Hello, Earth to Gordon, Reverend Morris said. Could you give Jenna and myself a hand and help us move these folded chairs into the storeroom? Right you are, Vicar. Sorry, I was miles away. Daydreaming? Jenna winked at him. Perhaps. The three of them headed to the far end of the hall and down a corridor, where the storeroom was. Jenna smiled as they went in. Haven't been in here since last October, when I seduced Josh the curate and took his virginity. The room was still as untidy as ever. One of these days, we really must make time to sort this room out, Reverend Morris said. It's a disgrace and I'm ashamed I've let it get such a mess. Gordon placed the chairs in the corner. Get Oakwood Road Methodist Church to clear out all their junk first. They've been sharing with us for years. Isn't it about time they got their own storage place? Jenna rearranged some of the box files. While we're here, we could straighten a few things, arg, there's a massive spider on the wall. It'll be more scared of you than you are of it, Reverend Morris said. Simon, that doesn't make me feel any better. You know I hate spiders. Where is the offending arachnid? I'll squash it with my shoe. You'll do no such thing, Gordon, the vicar interrupted. It's one of God's creatures and it's Easter Sunday. Let it live. See look, it's scuttled into the air vent up there. It's gone. Nothing to worry about, Jen. Amidst the uproar over the spider, none of them noticed or heard the storeroom door being pulled shut and locked. Now the fun begins, a voice sniggered, opening an app on an iPhone. Right, well I've had enough rearranging for today, Gordon said. It's time for another cuppa and a rest. He tried the door. Hey, what? This door is locked. What? Reverend Morris rushed over. I don't believe it, how is it locked? It can't be locked without a key. Some silly bugger's gone and locked the door without realizing we're in here. Gordon groaned. I bet it's old Jack Bradley, thinks of himself as caretaker for the church hall. Daft sod is always locking up and forgetting to turn the lights off. I really think Norman should be given the job of locking up in future. Wait, so we're trapped in here? Jenna said. For the moment, yes. Oh don't worry, it's not like a bank vault or anything. We won't run out of air. I'll just phone Josh the curate. I know he keeps a spare set of keys. Reverend Morris reached in his pocket. My smartphone, where is it? Oh damn, I left it in the car. I always do that when it's the Sunday Eucharist. I have a phone-free morning. It's my little rule. Really helpful, Rev, the organist groaned. Don't you have a hotline to God 24-7? Maybe a prayer or two will unlock the door. Luckily, I have my smartphone on me. He pulled it out of his pocket and swiped the screen. Oh. Problem. Um, looks like the battery's dead. I swear there was 5% charge still on it but guess I was wrong. Boys, worry not. I have my phone, and it's always fully charged, 
Jenna said, lifting her smartphone from her handbag. Tada! Fully charged. She called the curate. After a long period of ringing, it went to voicemail. This must be the first time ever that Josh's phone has gone to voicemail, Reverend Morris said. The lad needs that phone of his surgically removing. Okay well for whatever reason, he's not picking up. He could be driving. I've left a message. We'll just have to wait. But what's the rush to leave? Jenna grinned. If you ask me, we should make the most of our time here. The vicar and organist looked at each other. What do you mean, Jen? That familiar naughtiness appeared on her face. Well you both know I gave up sex for Lent, right? They cleared their throats. Yes. Lent's over. Let's have some fun. Jenna, what are you suggesting? Reverend Morris spluttered. I think your lovely wife is suggesting a threesome, vicar. Gordon replied, fully up for it. How about it? It's nice to share, yes. Like we all did when it was my birthday. Reverend Morris was his usual reserved self at first, but there was no denying, like Gordon, he was as horny as a rutting stag. Well, um, there are no security cameras in here, are there? As if, Gordon laughed. There's nothing worth nicking in here, apart from old furniture and dusty hymn books. No cams, but there is rising damp on that lower left wall. Jenna began unbuttoning her dress. Naturally, my dear husband gets to go first. After all he is my holy man. You don't mind, you do Gordon? Jenna then laid on her back, across a long narrow banquet table. Oh, not at all, the organist said, rubbing his crotch. Don't keep me waiting too long though, eh? The Wurlitzer is already rising. The Sinister Scandal In the passenger seat of a parked car, the unknown person with the iPhone stared at the screen and observed the antics in the storeroom, thanks to the hidden cam that had been installed. Well I never. I knew there was something going on with the organist and the vicar's wife. Looks like the vicar himself is prepared to overlook some of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet. Hopefully it'll be the downfall of that little tart once and for all, the driver of the car replied. I've never forgiven her for bringing her filth and depravity to this church a year ago. Marries the vicar, whilst carrying on with the organist on the side. She managed to break up my marriage, and I can't wait to send this footage to the tabloids. Oh Patricia, you're not going to go that far are you, dearie? Jenna's a lovely girl really. I thought we were just going to have a bit of fun. That's why I asked my grandson to install the camera and set up this app thing so we could watch. I wanted to make the organist sweat a little. Mrs. Norris narrowed her eyes. I haven't set foot in that church since the vicar married her. This sordid carry-on can't be allowed to continue. Oh look, things are getting a wee bit steamy in there. Mrs. Wilcox replied, gawping at the smartphone. Good heavens, my glasses are steaming up. Look where Gordon's putting his tongue. He's such a skilled organist. Disgusting behavior, Mrs. Norris fumed. Yet she continued to watch intently. 
Gordon opened his mouth again, and ran it from Jenna's belly to her chin. She began moaning. On the next lick the organist started even lower, right on her clit. Jenna moaned loudly as his tongue slowly climbed up her, stopping briefly at her chest. He went back to between her thighs again, and then he began fingering her cunt. Jenna began to moan loudly as she climaxed. When she glanced up at him, she noticed he was fully aroused. She rolled over, onto her belly while he dropped his trousers and underpants, and presented his large, engorged member to her. Did you miss my organ pipe? God yes. The organist's entire body shuddered under Jenna's touch. With that, she propped herself up on her elbows on one edge of the table. He ass hung over the opposite edge. She grasped his cock with both hands and began rubbing hard, enjoying the reaction she was getting from him. She decided to take it a step further, and started to lick his cock, all the while continuing jerking him off. She licked up and down the thick shaft and finally stopped at the head. Precum oozed from the tip. With one fluid motion, she deep-throated the head of his penis as far as she could. Gordon cried out in joy. Fuck yes, I've missed this so much. At the same time, Reverend Morris unzipped his trousers and approached behind his wife. Whilst you are playing the organist's organ, I shall now enter your holy temple, which has been closed off to me since the start of Lent. He pressed his member against her cunt. Jenna gasped as her husband applied pressure, and slid his cock into her. I've missed your holy rod, my love. He slowly thrust in and out of her, which drove her wild. She reached one hand down to rub her clit, which stimulated the already overwhelming pleasure. Simon sped up his thrusting, his cock ramming against her cervix. She moaned. A few minutes later Jenna bucked harder and faster as she felt her orgasm build up. Reverend Morris did the same as his cock twitched in her. Ah, oh God, yes. The vicar's wife threw her head back and screamed as she came. Her cunt walls contracted tightly around her husband's cock as her love juices leaked out of her. His own orgasm hit shortly after, and he shot a huge load of warm seed deep into her. Bloody hell, Gordon gasped. That had to be the most intense orgasm he'd ever seen Jenna have. He felt a brief moment of doubt, fearing he wouldn't be able to match the pleasure her husband had given her. Something tugged at his heart, a nagging ache. He shrugged it off, but it remained. He didn't want to think about the fact he was starting to fall deeply in love with this red-haired beauty who'd seduced him so skillfully last September, with a blowjob whilst he sat on the organ stool. This was always meant to be just a bit of no-strings naughty fun, he thought to himself. But it's gone way beyond that. I never imagined she'd have this effect on me. Reverend Morris gently pulled out of her and Jenna rolled over and sat up, carmoozing from her throbbing womanhood. Don't keep Gordon waiting, Jen, he whispered to her. He needs more than a quick blow of the organ pipe. She nodded, kissing him. I won't. I intend to make this just as special for him as it was for you. Gordon brightened up. What, you mean I'm getting the full Monty? I really enjoy that organ pipe of yours inside me, Gordon, she winked. He was more than happy with sloppy seconds. 
Sitting him down in one of the metal folding chairs, Jenna straddled him, and in one motion, plunged herself down on his hard cock. His hands found her breasts, and she squirmed on his lap deliciously. Gordon began to thrust himself into her, slowly at first, increasing speed gradually, until they were fucking for all they were worth. All the pent-up desire that Jenna had been holding inside throughout Lent, all the desire for this older man, was unleashed. Much as she loved her husband, she'd also had a thing for Gordon, way more than all the other men of the church she'd bedded. He was special. Those daddy vibes. They'd never gone away. When he paused for breath, she pulled him up and onto his back on a table and mounted him again. Ever so slowly, she undulated on his cock, and, eyes closed, fingered her clit while he moaned beneath her at the sight. When she started to shake and groan, the sight became too much for the organist and he knew he was joining her, whether he wanted to or not. With a yell, Gordon grabbed her hips and shot spurt after spurt of thick cum into the goddess above him. Wow, now that's the kind of worship that truly comes from the heart. Reverend Morris said, amazed at the organist's stamina. That's what I like to see, Jenna fully satisfied. Oh Gordon, Jenna sighed, when they'd finally recovered. She kissed him softly on the lips. That was wonderful. She noticed he had tears in his eyes. Hey, are you alright? Never better Jen, he mumbled. Bit dusty in this room, eh? Think it's irritating my eyes a bit. We're the two luckiest men in the world aren't we? Reverend Morris said, sensing Gordon's awkwardness. To be both loved by this amazing woman. God has truly smiled on us. It's all part of his plan. And I love you both, Jenna said, slipping her arms round the two of them. Gordon felt himself filling up, but he held it together. Gladys watches. Utterly vile, Mrs. Norris cringed, still watching on the iPhone with Mrs. Wilcox. All three of them should be cast out of the church and prosecuted. Prosecuted? The old lady replied. Dearie, I think what we've just witnessed is a very modern love story. Gordon is in love with Jenna. Jenna loves him. The vicar knows that she loves them both. How the hell can you say that? He's a dirty old man if you ask me. When you're as old as I am, you just know these things. Human nature's a fascinating thing. And you're never too old to have fun either. I'm so glad that Norman Winstanley called round to fix my kitchen door. So you're not going to give me the footage? Mrs. Norris snapped. No dearie, I'm not. I'm deleting this video right now. No don't. But it was too late. The recording on the phone was deleted, along with the app. I've remotely shut down the camera in the storeroom too, the old lady smiled. I'll get my grandson Dwayne to remove and destroy it. You treacherous old bag. You tricked me. Mrs. Norris yelled, eyes bulging behind her horn-rimmed glasses. There was a knock on the car window and she almost jumped out of her skin. The hulking figure of Dwayne appeared. Everything all right, Gran? Oh fine, dear, she said, getting out of the car. I'm ready to go home now. It's been a rather eventful church service. But first, 
I need to pop into the church hall. I think I've forgotten to switch off a light. Her plans to destroy Jenna thwarted, Mrs. Norris accepted defeat and drove off, away from St. Michael's Church forever. Jenna, Reverend Morris, and Gordon had just finished getting dressed when the door of the storeroom was unlocked. Oh vicar. I'm so sorry. How careless of me. I'd finished sweeping up and thought you'd all gone home. Jack left me in charge of locking up. Blame it on a senior moment. I had no idea you three were in the storeroom. The four of them walking into the hallway. No worries, Gladys, there's no harm done. We were only in there half an hour. As they all headed out of the hall, Josh the curate came rushing inside, out of breath. Jenna. I just got your message. I'd just driven Bishop George home when I read it. Oh I'm glad you all got out of there. Not the end to the Easter service I was expecting, but it's something we can laugh about in years to come. Reverend Morris said and he turned to Jenna and Gordon and grinned. Come, let's all go back to the vicarage and have a drink. Mrs. Wilcox. Your grandson is most welcome to join us too. The vicar, his wife and the organist remained blissfully unaware of how close they'd come to having their passionate threesome revealed to the entire world. Once again, peace and happiness remained at St. Michael's Church, and it seemed Jenna's amazing way with bringing joy to the lives of churchmen was stronger than ever. One month later. We now we look forward to Ascension Tide, Reverend Morris said, a few Sundays after Easter. The Feast of Pentecost follows. Jenna returned from the church toilets. She'd been feeling off-color for the past couple of days and now knew why. Simon, I must speak with you and Gordon, she said, as the church began emptying. What's wrong Jen? You don't look too good. Gordon was tidying up his music books and switching off the organ, when the vicar appeared. Jenna has something to tell us, Reverend Morris said. She says it's very happy but life-changing news. The organist put down his books immediately. This sounded serious, and he felt his stomach jump. What's up? Well you two, how do I break this to you gently? It seems there's been some sort of miracle. My contraceptive pill has failed. I'm pregnant. And, well... Both men's jaws dropped. Gordon spluttered, terrified. He feared his future was in for trouble. He feared his two best friends over this. He feared the gossip. He loved his church and didn't want anything to change. He was barely able to process this information. Simon embraced his wife and beamed. The child is mine. I take great joy in the arrival of a life. My opportunity to raise a child in a wonderful home, with the wife God has blessed me with. Perhaps God will give us more, in years to come. Jenna beamed. She turned to Simon and asked, Simon, have you ever been a godfather? By Black Sheep, for Literotica. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We hope you found pleasure and inspiration. Come back tomorrow as we continue to bring you more explicit romance tales and subscribe to our podcast feeds in your mobile devices to access our entire library of hundreds of daily episodes.
Happy dreams.